Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. At an early age, I took an interest in science and would eventually pursue it as a higher educational goal. When I was young, my interest in it manifested in sort of weird ways. I was really attracted to science fiction, and I loved, I guess what you would call, pseudoscience and conspiracy theory stuff. Things you might see on the TV show In Search Of, and tabloid magazines you would find at the checkout counter of the grocery store. My mother, realizing that maybe this science thing could lead to something later in life, maybe even a career took a step that would sort of change the course of my life, and it was a simple one. She had seen the TV show Cosmos when it was originally broadcast, and she thought it was pretty remarkable. At one point, they were re-showing it on PBS in my area, and she made it, I guess, must-watch TV. Not in a compulsory way, but by building excitement for me to watch it for the first time. I had heard about the TV show Cosmos. I might have even seen isolated episodes at this point, but... With the full broadcast about to start, we made it sort of something we were going to do each night it was on. My mother realized the perfect way to get me excited was to make a television show an event with snacks and soda. And it didn't take much, just a couple of pretzels, maybe some popcorn, one can of soda, and I was pretty set for at least one episode. And so we started watching it, and I was fascinated. I thought that the host, Carl Sagan, was one of the most intriguing people I had ever seen on TV, and his ability to take information that was complicated and make it so that even at an early age I could sort of understand it was just wonderful. Her mission was a success, and I did take science a lot more seriously in school. I even insisted that she pick me up a copy of the book Cosmos, a paperback version, which I still have today, although it is in pretty rough shape. I've already read it a couple of times in my life, and I do go back to it from time to time because I'm a fan of nostalgia and it reminds me of that time watching the TV show with my mother and also because science to me is very important. And with the recent continuation of Cosmos on television, I thought this would be a good opportunity to just talk a little bit about the original TV show, Cosmos. We'll talk about the creator and host of the show. We'll talk about the production, reception, home video release, a little bit on the modern incarnation of Cosmos, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. of the word cosmos is Greek, and it literally means order, but 
Nowadays, it is usually a synonym for the word universe. If you're a fan of the space race, you've probably heard the term cosmos, especially when referring to Russia's space program, where everybody were cosmonauts. And in those Slavic languages, I believe the word cosmos actually refers to outer space in general. I guess we shouldn't talk about the TV show until we talk about the creator and host of the original cosmos, Carl Edward Sagan. Sagan was born on November 9th, 1934 and he passed away, sadly, on December 20th, 1996. He was a author, science popularizer and communicator, astronomer, astrophysicist, exobiologist, basically your average superhero science renaissance man. If you're a space fan, you probably know Sagan's contributions to the Voyager program. He created the Voyager Golden Record. This is a record that was sent into space that will hopefully find its way into the hands of some extraterrestrial intelligence, and they will know all about us and maybe be able to find us one day. Or, perhaps, Voyager will merge with some other alien satellite and create some hybrid intelligence, and then will come to seek us out and eventually destroy us. Two very realistic possibilities. It's really 50-50. In his lifetime, and maybe even now, Sagan was probably the world's most successful popularizer of science concepts. And through his work in not just Cosmos, but in books, magazines, other television shows, he reached millions and millions of people. But he's probably best known to many people because of the PBS series Cosmos, which at the time was the most watched series in public television history. Sagan was born in Brooklyn, New York. He received his bachelor's degree in 1955 and a master's degree in 1956, both in physics. Then he would receive a doctorate in astronomy and astrophysics in 1960. He would then go on to teach at Harvard in the 1960s before going to Cornell where he became a professor in 1971. From there, he would teach classes. He would also be involved in several NASA programs, including Voyager, Galileo, Mariner, and Viking. He would eventually receive NASA medals for exceptional scientific achievement and the NASA Apollo Achievement Award. The man is obviously an achiever. But then, in the late 70s, a new idea came around. There had been all these great documentaries on public television that involved science, and Sagan decided that this would be a great way to reach even larger audiences. And Sagan thought that you could tell a story of everything using this format, and Cosmos was born. It was produced from 1978 to 1979 and cost about $6.3 million to make and had a huge promotional budget for a PBS program, over $2 million. The format was inspired by earlier BBC documentaries, things like Jacob Bernowski's The Ascent of Man and David Attenborough's Life on Earth. Those were shot completely on film, whereas Cosmos used both video and film. The film was used on the exteriors, and the video was used on the interior shots and special effects. The filming of the series lasted a year, and Sagan and his team traveled all around the world to film it, places like Mexico, France, Cambodia, Egypt, India, Italy, and of course the U.S., amongst many others. And I mentioned that they used video for the special effects, and this documentary is noted because it used so many special effects, unlike earlier documentaries. Special effects that allowed Sagan to interact with concepts that couldn't be seen by the naked eye or in buildings that didn't even exist anymore. 
And this was the time before computer-generated effects. So when Sagan is walking through the Library of Alexandria, he's actually walking through a model. It's just well done enough that there's a certain amount of blending. It looks perhaps hokey by today's standards, but when I was watching this thing the first time, I was just blown away, and I remember running to my set of encyclopedias and looking up the Library of Alexandria and wondering how did they get so much detail. Unfortunately, Funk and Wagnall's entry on the Library of Alexandria just wasn't as detailed as Sagan's source material. I went and visited Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in upstate New York when I was younger, and I remember hearing from a friend's older brother that a lot of Cosmos was actually filmed up there. And unlike my friend, whose brother this was, I was really excited by that and wanted to see where did they film it, where did they film it, and he just pointed to some building. I guess there wouldn't have been anything left since they probably just filmed it in a large black room, but still pretty cool to have been in a place that they actually filmed part of Cosmos. The show first ran on PBS from September 28, 1980 to December 21, 1980, and there were 13 episodes. As I mentioned, it was the most widely watched series in PBS history. It would maintain that for 10 years and would only be broken when Ken Burns' The Civil War ran in 1990. Now that's just in America. I believe still now it might be the most watched PBS series that the world has ever watched and it is estimated that it reached over 500 million people. It would go on to win Emmy and a Peabody Award and was popular enough that even Johnny Carson took the time to, I guess, parody Sagan. And from what I understand, Carson himself was a bit of a amateur astronomer. He enjoyed astronomy, and so even his sketches, which are silly, and you can watch some of them online, had real science peppered in, which makes it a little bit more fun. And I understand Sagan himself took it all in stride, enjoying some of the parodies and, of course, making appearances on these shows. Anything to get the word out. When Cosmos ran on television, they did run promos. Here's one of the promos. Carl Sagan invites you to watch Cosmos, a 13-part series appearing on public television. Cosmos takes you on an epic journey through space and time to the galaxies, the stars, our past and our future. Join Carl Sagan as he explores some of the mysteries of life on Earth and the possibilities of life out there. Watch for Cosmos. You never know who else might be watching. Cosmos is made possible in part by a grant from Atlantic... That's good stuff. I worked in a video store. And at that video store, we sold laser discs, and the laser discs of Cosmos were very popular. From what I understand, there were various home video releases, including a special edition when Ted Turner got involved with the show. An additional episode of the series was created, which had Sagan being interviewed by Ted Turner and discussing the series itself. Because of licensing issues, different music had to be used in these various releases. Sagan didn't shy away from tinkering with Cosmos because this is science, and sometimes science changes as information becomes available. And so in future versions, say in the 1991 version, new segments were recorded, and Sagan was able to update information that had come around in the last 10 years. If you're able to get your hands on the 86 edition, there's some content in there that wasn't brought into future broadcast versions of it. Originally, it ran on the TBS network and broadcast in other countries, but then future home video releases didn't feature this content. And this was basically new 
computer animated sequences, this was 86 and this technology was starting to come about, as well as new narration from Sagan. The soundtrack to Cosmos is pretty cool, and it includes pieces of music provided by the Greek composer Vangelis. I think my family might have bought a Vangelis album, I'm not sure, after this, but if it wasn't for this show, I don't think anyone in my family would have ever heard of him, but suddenly he became somebody everybody knew because he was a lot of the music of Cosmos. He wasn't the only one. There's a lot of great classical pieces by Bach, Stravinsky, and even Louis Armstrong, among others. If you have been to a garage sale in the United States and have sort of looked through boxes of books, odds are one of those paperbacks might be the book Cosmos, which was created as a companion for the TV series and was a perfect companion because it helped to explain a lot more about what you were seeing in the TV show. If you enjoy Cosmos, the book, you might want to check out A Pale Blue Dot, A Vision of the Human Future in Space, which was released in 1994. It's a pretty cool book, too. Cosmos, the book, would become the best-selling English-language science book ever published at that time and would lead to many more science books being published for a popular audience. Eventually, Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time would eclipse Cosmos, but during its heyday, it spent 50 weeks on the Publisher's Weekly bestseller list and 70 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Internationally, Cosmos would sell about 5 million copies, so a pretty popular book, and why you can find lots of used copies of it. If you are watching television now, you might know that Cosmos, a space-time odyssey, is on television on the Fox network and its Fox-associated networks. It is a follow-up to Cosmos, a personal voyage, the original, and is presented by Neil deGrasse Tyson, a modern science popularizer of great regard. The executive producers of this new Cosmos are Andrean, Sagan's widow, and Seth MacFarlane of Family Guy and Ted fame. It premiered on March 9th, and ratings are pretty decent. I watched it and thought it was great. It is why I decided to do this Cosmos episode. With its visual effects, great narration, wonderful host, music by Alan Silvestri, the entire program is a home run. I have been enjoying it tremendously. If you have not watched it yet, please take the opportunity to check it out. Maybe if you have a young science fan in your life or somebody who might potentially show some interest in science, you bring them along, get them to watch it. Doesn't take much, maybe a treat to entice them to check it out. Even if they do not seek a career in science, knowing a lot of the basics and hearing somebody who is both intelligent and eloquent enough to explain scientific principles in a memorable way makes this iteration, as well as the original Cosmos, worth checking out. It's a scientific fact. A scientific fact. It has to be correct. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. It's checked and double-checked, that can be backed because it is because it is a scientific fact so in my head i would be flying on the spaceship of the imagination
billions upon billions lost my train of thought. Cosmos. This has been a retro production. Goodbye.